Okay, Rob Sifton. Rob Sifton of Fit to Fly. Thank you right. so much for being on uh, the Calgary Fitness Podcast. Um, I think that uh, you know it's really important to talk about what you do and who you help. But uh, so so go ahead and just give me give me your blurb, give me your two minute blurb about who you are, who you help, and what you're up to. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So my name is Rob Sifton, and I own a company called Fit to Fly. And what it does is it focuses on flight crew. It's kind of a unique market mm -hmm. that. Uh, in my experience, and as I go through my story, you might understand, I uh, don't see very often. And so what, what we're focused on are flight crew, which would be pilots and flight attendants, generally. And we try to assist in lifestyle factors such as sleep, exercise, nutrition, mm -hmm. to ultimately have them retire healthier than mm -hmm. when they come in the door for the first time, with the ultimate goal of living as independently as possible for the rest of their lives and for me at least independence means being able to fall down when you're 95 years old pick yourself up and not be injured either too badly or if you are be able to get yourself to some place of safety and I really I saw it with my grandparents um, they all passed away probably around a decade or so ago but um, watching avid farmers go from really active to off the farm to a house that has a big garden and lots of stairs to all of a sudden then having a few falls and then moving to either long-term facility with assistance or uh, an apartment with an elevator and then they're not going outside as often mm. and really questioning what it is and so my, my one grandfather would ask him like you know what's going on why are you not going outside you used to enjoy going for walks etc and his answer was because if I go out on my own and I fall down I can't get up and it's kind of heartbreaking when you yeah, hear that. So then when I got into aviation, and so the other piece to me is I'm a pilot. I, I work commercially. I've been flying for 23 years now, mm -hmm. just about, and um, have flown the gamut of night freight up in the, uh, up in the northern parts of Ontario, um, let's see, Manitoba, BC, Nunavut, or, or it was um, uh, the Northwest Territories at the, at the time, and now with a commercial airline in Canada. Wow. And so I've been lucky to kind of experience a whole bunch of different backgrounds and see different people. And I'm seeing in aviation the precursors to what my grandparents fell into, which is mobility issues, mm -hmm. nutrition issues, sleep issues, and Fit to Fly focuses on that. Yeah, I think that's, oh, and it's so applicable to a lot of people too. I mean, mm -hmm. like... Uh, you, you talked a little bit before you even started recording about the stress level that kind of mm -hmm. goes into, you know, aviation. I'd like to touch on that just a little bit. Like, yeah, what's the stress level so like? there have been lots of articles that are out there that, that rank stressful mm. occupations, right? So you'll see, you know, military and police and, and, and pilots are up there and flight attendants are up there. What I think they're missing sometimes is they're putting stress into the emotional bucket. Mm. So I don't know about you, but... Um, for me, if I were to be on TV, that would be a nerve-wracking event. If I were to ask you about flying, you would think that flying might be a nerve-wracking mm. event. But for you, TV's not nerve-wracking, and for me, TV's not nerve-wracking. So that stress, when they talk about you know pressures at the airport, um, time constraints, stuff like that, those are actually exciting for me. Okay. I look forward to the day that the weather is kind of less than perfect mm -hmm. because I have to think a little bit outside of the box. Yeah. In 23 years of flying, what you are paying as a 
passenger to get from me is to never get to these emergency scenarios. You hope that I can become, if we were to put it into the medical context world, it would be the primary, secondary, and tertiary prevention program. So in the perfect world, my 23 years will be the primary prevention. I'll be able to look at all this stuff and say, you know what, because of these details, we're not going to go because the repercussions are potentially negative and I don't want to do that. The secondary would be, oh my goodness, there's a light. I need to take care of that. In my experience, the checklists, the training, everything else provide me the opportunity to kind of remedy that problem quickly. And the tertiary is, we've got a full-blown emergency. Mm -hmm. Now is where my experience finally comes in the last stop to be able to say, nope, we've got this under control, cooler heads will prevail. So for my flight crew, stress comes from physiological more so than emotional. Mm -hmm. You'll have emotional stress and I'll have emotional stress. It will be because, so um, I don't know what you have for a family, but if you have kids and one of your kids is sick, that can be stressful. Yeah. Bills can be stressful. Parents, in-laws battling it out with other siblings can be stressful. What we in the aviation industry run into are the physiological stressors of ultraviolet cosmic radiation, dehydration, vibration, noise, time zones, timing of food, type of food available in airport, timing of exercise, type of exercise available. Wow. And what I look at for an individual is basically what stress are they going through at that exact moment and can they recover from it? Wow. And exercise is just that. So it's really simple to go out and say, um, people just need to exercise more and eat better. And I have to have the caveat, but okay. if they're not able to recover from that exercise, so let's say I have a pilot, and um, the most extreme example would be somebody who, because lots of uh, pilots and flight attendants commute. So there might be a pilot that commutes from Canada to overseas, we'll say a 10 hour time zone shift. And then they might fly from that overseas base to a North American airport, sit for 24 hours, and then fly back. Mm -hmm. Their body is never actually within the normal circadian time zone that they would ideally be in. So for you, you wake up at, we'll say, 6 o'clock in the morning, you go to bed at 10 o'clock at night, you get your 8 hours of rest. If you're up in the middle of the night, generally it's because of that emotional stress. Your mind is spinning, maybe you're sick, things like that. But for my flight crew, they've got all these other physical problems that mm. can kind of disrupt where they want to be in a healthy state. And when I look at flight crew at the end of their careers, we are generally healthy because we have medicals that we have to maintain. Yep. At least for pilots, for flight attendants, it's a different story. Mm. Um, but at the end of a career, you look pretty tired yeah. because you've been dealing with all these other physical ones mm. plus the emotional ones. Yeah. And that's where I see people will kind of reach their limit and if you want to get into the brain stuff there's four different states of brain that I work kind of think about mm -hmm. we have an autonomic brain which takes care of our respiration digestion etc we have a reactive brain which is I'm hot I'm cold I'm reacting to my environment we have a director's brain which is where I'm observing my environment and then we have a creative brain which is I'm creating my environment Normally, and you're in this all the time, the director's brain, because you're constantly observing, yeah. especially when you're interviewing and interacting yep. with somebody. It's like, oh, did I ask a question that made them feel uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Why did they put their arms up like this? Yeah. Why are they shutting down, opening up, etc.? Mm -hmm. Well, when you're under stress, you downregulate to that reactive brain, which is also known as fight or flight. Okay. And my flight crew can get into fight or flight 
because they haven't slept well, because they've been exposed to noise for 12 hours and vibration for 12 hours, and they've eaten inconsistently, mm -hmm. or the food that they have available for them doesn't quite align up with their sensitivities or whatever it might be. And so for flight crew, I have to become that mirror and say, it's okay, don't worry about being perfect because there is no perfect yeah. in reality. Okay. We're going through this the long term and we're gonna hopefully just add on a couple of little habits that you're really good at now, just you can't implement them quite um, efficiently enough or regularly enough. Let's adjust it so it's even easier for you. What can I get you to do 90% of the time? Because with flight crew, especially pilots, we have this all or nothing mentality and you, you'll see it in, in fitness as well. Yeah. Well, if I'm not gonna do it 100%, I'm not gonna do it at all. And it's kind of self-defeating that way. Yeah. And it, with pilots specifically, because we don't, we're not allowed to crash. Nobody wants to ever hear about that. Yeah. So even just talking mental health with flight crew is a challenge because they have to put up this air of, I'm invincible. Mm -hmm. And while that invincibility is going to carry through to fitness, their life at home, and so it's really, really dynamic when I get into all of these types of things. So a discussion yeah. with flight crew is a lot like this. Yeah. Justin, tell me about yourself. Mm. Where are you at? What do you have? So to sit down and understand you as a person first, what's in the background, because that will impact when you go to work. Then I have to look at your schedule. Where are you flying to? So I'm, I live in Calgary. If I do overnights in St. John's, that's gonna be different than I do overnights in Hawaii. Yeah. I might be a morning lark. I might be a night owl, I have to look at that. If I'm a morning lark, I might actually want to go to the east because it's actually like me getting up earlier and I can handle that. Mm -hmm. Whereas if it's a night shift and I'm going to Hawaii, it might not be as easy yeah. to transition to that. And so when you get into the hormonal stuff, mo most pilots have a little bit of a dysfunctional cortisol pro profile. And then if we look at that cortisol, how does it affect melatonin, serotonin? I don't feel as good. Man, you get into a deep hole. Oh really my goodness! Quickly. Yeah, like, and I think that that's that provides a ton of value for for people watching, listening, because the people who travel a lot, mm. right, can also take that into consideration. Probably not the same stressors, but at the same time, you know, some of the physiological yeah. aspects. Yeah. So it's it's not that they don't have the same stressors; they're just not as acute. Yeah. And for they will actually be acute, not chronic. So when pilots and flight attendants go to work, so we work roughly 80 hours in a month. That, that 80 hours starts from the time the aircraft door closes until it opens again. Mm -hmm. And when you're getting 80 hours of exposure of all of those mm -hmm. physical stressors, it adds up. And what's really interesting to me is when I do body compositions on them, almost without exception, everybody stores their body fat umbilical. Mm -hmm. because cortisol profile again so okay. stress their body is just constantly in fight or flight yeah. now it's not fight or flight for us generally because an airport environment for us is really comfortable I can walk into any airport and be able to look around and say okay this is where I've got to go even if it's a brand new one because I understand the layout mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll give this story to flight crew sometimes and say imagine you're a grandparent who's never traveled to see their grandchild mm -hmm. and let's say they're 80 years old and all they've heard is that to get to the airport, you have to go three hours in advance and they've got a seven o'clock in the morning flight. So they're getting into a world that they're a little bit nervous about. So the night before they don't eat a great meal, we'll say it's seven o'clock and then they get a really disrupted sleep and they get up at 3.30 in the morning 
Now they get to the airport and the first assault happens, although they meet some great people that are helping take their bags, but then they get into the security line. Yeah. And you have to have your boarding pass. Oh, I'm not even at the plane yet. No, no, you need your boarding pass in here. Oh, okay. And you weave through this long line and then you get to this conveyor belt. Some people are taking sweaters off and you put your bag on a trolley. What do I do here? And you can already see they're shutting down a little bit because they start to look around, their eyes glaze over a little bit. So they're getting into that reactive brain where it's like, oh, what do I do here? So they somehow make it through security, hands up, you know, you got to do the wand, everything else. And now they get in this cavernous hall. It's noisy. It's fast. Mm -hmm. There's announcements going everywhere. This is like... I need like a, a, a deciphering thing yeah. to be able to read this card. Where what's Alpha Twelve? I don't know where to go, and that's when I might walk by, and in a uniform I'm recognizable. I'm a safe person, and often it's interesting because I'll hear crews say, you know, I get annoyed with people that are just they're asking stupid questions or silly questions, and they're silly in our minds, but for them it's actually yeah. a life-saving question yeah. at this point in time. So if we were to dismiss them, they've now been insulted another time. Mm -hmm. They've been assaulted at this point and they freeze. And so they go down to that limbic brain and you just see them. They're standing there in front of a sign and they don't even know what to do anymore. Yeah. And that's the, the little goats that run around, right? When you scare them, they all kind of fall over yeah. and freeze. And this is what happens to them. And thankfully my crews don't get to that. Mm -hmm because we've been trained, the aviation industry is amazing yeah. at setting up checklists and policies and procedures, so they call SOPs, um, so that you don't actually have to think a lot. And for pilots, I mean, we're trained twice a year, we're in the simulator, we go through all these different events, and it's really neat to watch because I can watch new pilots who come online and their vision originally is like this. Mm -hmm. And as you get more ex experience, it gets bigger. So for you in the media industry, you'll be able to, like the first time when you probably got in front of a camera, it was just like, I can only see the teleprompter. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing else yeah. I can see. Whereas now, if you're doing a co-host thing, you can feel what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. You can see them, you know, the director behind or however the system works. Yeah. Your brain is open up to the possibility because now you're a director again. You're under less stress. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's important too for the fitness industry, aviation, mm. any industry that you may be working in, or totally. you have to have that empathy, going back to the grandparents, yeah. to be like, you are a trusted professional, treat the people who are, you know, maybe newer, maybe, you know, have a less understanding too, that yeah. it's different, and they're going to experience it differently. I love that, uh, empathy, and because it's funny, because when I listen to two of your other podcasts, yeah. empathy has come up in a number mm -hmm. of different scenarios, and it's something that I think in the fitness industry takes years mm -hmm. to grow and to learn um, when I first got into it so if I can go back a little bit so when I got into this I wasn't I, I was an active kid I was just into sports competitive curling um, a little bit of golf badminton but I was a small fish in a small pond I thought I was kind of really you know <laughs> I know what I'm doing right you know, and then you get into the national stage like I don't know anything yeah um, and in aviation I started seeing people getting injured and, and stuff like that and I didn't know what I didn't know at the time mm. and I thought well I'll just get them to exercise more and eat healthier it'll be simple right yeah. but then when you get into it, it's like well no it's actually much more complex than that and it took me so originally I was CrossFit trained and then I got into uh, BioFit, MoveNat, 
um, precision nutrition. And I was like, man, this is a lot deeper than I thought. And I, I got into um, a peer assistance role where I got to listen to people. Mm-hmm. And as a peer pilot, I just sit and listen and say, Justin, man, what's going on? Things sound like they're a little bit tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'm running into all this stuff. Wow. And people open up. And it's not because of lack of willpower, intelligence, that they're not working out. It's because they're stressed. Yeah. And if I don't have empathy, oh, man, I'm just going to push them. And I'm actually going to push them away really quickly. And as soon as somebody walks through my door, I have to be willing to come to where they're at, not try to take them where I think they need to go. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't ask them, I'm really, I'm shooting in the dark. So from what that sounds like, the style of training that you would provide to people is very different from client to client. Very, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, so the 22-year-old male who really wants to you know, get into high-end athletics would be different than a 55-year-old pilot mm-hmm. who's getting ready to retire uh, to a you know, perimenopausal, empty-nest woman who just wants to feel like she can move again mm-hmm. and keep her knees from not hurting as often or doesn't sleep very well. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked a little bit about the nutrition side of it mm-hmm. as well, and, and I want to touch on that too. For someone who's in the air so much and, mm-hmm. and everything like that, what does the nutrition look like for you personally, and what do you see externally for some of your coworkers? Um, so ex- I'll do externally first sure. because it's quite interesting. So externally, you see all the fads. So you know, keto's running through right now, carnivore is getting kind of touched on um, because of all the documentaries that come through, mm-hmm. um, you know, Netflix nowadays, you'll see the, so Game Changers has been one that's influenced the, the vegan um, push. And so I just watched that. Now, for myself, I'm agnostic. Mm-hmm. And I'm agnostic for everybody because ultimately if somebody comes into me and says, you know what, I need to go vegan, who am I to judge that? Cool, let's do that. How can we do it healthier within an airport environment? Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at all of these restrictive diets, which is which all of those are, when you look at any diet, it's saying this is bad, this is yeah. good, so stay away from the bad. Yeah. It's a challenge because airports aren't set up for that. They kind of are set up for the you know the bar meal. They're getting way better. I mean, I was at the airport yesterday and there was made foods is finally okay. there awesome so yeah. I can get a fresh salad I can get some protein in there wicked in the old days it was Tim Hortons it was Chili's yeah. are there options there totally what I don't want to have people do is get stressed out so if they're on this restrictive I can't eat X and I can only go to the airport and get X now I've failed and then what they tend to do is they binge yeah so they're all of a sudden now not really accepting that you know what I, I just I can't do it today screw it I'm gonna just go eat hog hell over that yeah. and I'm gonna I'm gonna feel like crap yeah then it disrupts their sleep then the next day and this is what I look at is so for aviation we have a mandatory you have to get eight hours of sleep okay so I tell people prioritize sleep nutrition and movement in that order in that order and actually I do it with everybody because there's lots of science coming out saying you get five hours of sleep for five nights in a row and you're the equivalent of 0.08 blood alcohol content mm-hmm. so should you wow. be driving a car wow. well you shouldn't be driving an airplane I know that yeah. but if you can get eight hours of sleep it allows you to go to that director's brain and say okay I can logically look at this 
list of food mm-hmm. and pick something that's, yeah, it's not perfect, but there is no perfect. I'm accepting that. So I'm going to have this. If you don't get eight hours of sleep, you're probably going to have your amygdala hijack you and you're going to just start catastrophizing everything, saying, this is this horrible event. I don't know what to do. Screw it. I'm just going to go to the, get my bucket of KFC and I'm going to sit in my hotel room and I'm going to just load myself. Yeah. And so it's like, well, that's not a great option Mm -hmm. either. So when a person comes to me, I say, how do you want to eat? I'll work with anything. It means nothing to me. I can make it better. If they want to talk about the science, we can get into it. But ultimately, it's habit. It's not yes. the diet that you keep going for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years mm. is the one that makes the difference. Yeah. And do I see people lose weight on keto? Yes. Vegan? Yes. Paleo? Yes. Like mm-hmm. they, they lose weight on it. Generally, it's that they're paying attention. There you go. Yeah. And they're now saying, I have to meal plan. Yeah. And if they, for me, what I, the first lesson I tell people, so when I get into nutrition, I do like a one-year program. It's not like a three-day, you're going to do this. But the first lesson is take time for you. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand why that is, but it layers onto the second one, which is eat slowly. And then they're like, okay, well, I'm eating slowly. Now what? Listen to your body. Mm -hmm. If you can eat in 25 minutes, you might find that three-quarters of the way through your meal yeah I'm okay actually I'm kind of satisfied mm-hmm. oh sweet cool don't worry about eating any more then yeah let's just listen to our bodies as kids yeah, I think you have young kids right I've got a yeah three and a half year old okay so when he or she couldn't talk they would express discomfort either I'm hungry I'm hot I'm cold I'm hurt but they listen to their bodies mm-hmm we get, I don't know where it comes from, I haven't been able to figure it out, but a lot of it is um, uh, communication, you know, as males especially, suck it up, mm-hmm. be a man. Yeah. Okay, well that's one way to do it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But what it's doing is saying, ignore your emotions. Mm-hmm. And then we feed kids, so let's say they come to us, they say, I'm, not, I'm full. No, no, you gotta finish your plate. Mm-hmm. Well, they're actually listening to their body and they're saying, I don't need that much. And we have these, you know, they're smaller plates than for adults, but maybe this, you know, child isn't actually all that hungry right now. And then we, we make dessert the prize. Yes. Well, if you don't finish this, which is the, the you know, hard part, you got to tough it through that. Yeah. You don't get this. Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess that's one, again, one way to do it. Right. But is it about positive habits for these kids to learn? Yeah. We're saying, you know what, I'm going to ignore what my body says. I want that because yeah. I mean hormonally that one that lights me up right. I love that cake yeah. or whatever it is so sure. so yeah so if I were to go back the what I see is people tend to struggle they look for an answer with a problem for a problem and they look for one pill and that pill might be keto vegan whatever and they just cycle through and so to me it means they haven't changed any of their habits so let's go into an airport there are absolutely great ways to eat. It takes a little bit of work. Yeah, absolutely. And and I love that you touched on sleep. And I, a couple of my clients I heard the other day, I just overheard they were they were talking about sleep and how oh if you you know if you don't get enough sleep during the week then you can just catch up on the weekend. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on that and how you can prioritize sleep a little bit more. Um, you know, so if you get into, so I'm not a sleep expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I love reading about it. And Matthew Walker has got a great book called Why We Sleep. And mm. so he's out of, I believe it's UFC Berkeley, PhD there. And he 
kind of dummies down the science to the layperson, and I'm a layperson with this stuff. And he will tell you that, no, I mean, you can make up, but you don't make up for what you lost. Mm. And um, when you get into the hormones, and this is what I run into with flight crew, so there's adenosine, and then there's your kind of your natural sleep circadian rhythm. And your adenosine, when you're awake, continues to add up. And Mm. when we sleep, we kind of drain it out, so through the glial lymphatic system. And once you miss that, so I'm really tired, and then you go past that, you get your second wind. Mm -hmm. It's the difference between where your circadian rhythm and that adenosine is, that's where you get that sleep pressure. Mm -hmm. And so people are ignoring it during the week and trying to make up for it on the weekend. I don't believe that works. I believe that they're underperforming during the week. And then what do they do? They use high intensity workouts, caffeine to stimulate themselves. So they're driving their adrenal system to a high Mm -hmm. when it's saying, again, this is ignoring signals. We want to rest. And I got into this. So I was in CrossFit back in 2008. I went to the CrossFit games in California. Great experience. I was messed up. Mm. At the time we were doing zone, um, really trying to get lean. And I I don't remember, I think I was probably under 5% body fat going to the games. Now, I I don't love body composition because there's a whole lot of inherent error into it. But at the end of the games on the Sunday, I didn't work out for months and months and months Mm. and months because my adrenals were tapped out. And we had been doing this, you know, so the wad of the day for CrossFit off the main site, was basically two on one off or three on one off I can't remember exactly and we were tapped out because we were doing double days and triple days it's like my god what are we doing here and then we were low carb Mm -hmm. of course we're gonna get messed up and it took me years to figure it out and this is what kind of got me into the the whole wellness program was okay I'm fit but I'm not healthy And so now when I look at people, if you don't prioritize sleep, you will not be absolutely healthy. Mm-hmm. It's, there's no way to, to, there's no science that will give you um, a let to say you can work on four hours a day. Now there is a really small proportion of the population, I don't remember what Matt said, but it's like 1% yeah. that can function these high performers. Mm-hmm. But when you get chronic under sleep, you get to what um, so Margaret Thatcher was one that says that she didn't sleep Mm. Ronald Reagan Mm. they both died of dementia Mm. I don't really want dementia I want to be able to continue to have a highly functioning brain as well as a body and I can tell you and you might be able to reiterate this as well when I don't sleep well I don't function well emotionally no physically so um, absolutely not. Uh, there's no way that I, you know, and that's why I dummy it down to the basic, look, try to get eight hours. It's not going to be good. You know, don't get me wrong because most people don't sleep that well. Yeah. If they're waking up at four in the morning, we have to ask why. Mm-hmm. If they're not falling asleep at night, we have to ask why. Mm-hmm. And the asking why allows you to get into the kind of the background stuff. It's kind of like an addict. Alcohol isn't the, the problem for the addict. Alcohol solves a problem. Mm-hmm. It's dysfunctional, mm-hmm. but it's solving a problem, just like food solves a problem for a food addict. But ironically enough, I mean, I was an orthorexic. Mm. What's that? Aiming for the perfect meal. Oh, okay. The obsession of eating per- into perfection, or you know, having the perfect workout, whatever it is. So it's mm-hmm. obsession of being perfectly healthy. And 
it's not diagnosed in the DSM yet, but it, I, I absolutely believe that there is a, you could define it as an addiction. Wow. Because in my world, when I was doing pure assistance, I would define an addiction as anything that you do consistently, despite there being negative consequences. Mm-hmm. So you can put that into any bucket. It can yeah. be food, nutrition, uh, sorry, food and nutrition are the same. Exercise, yeah. sex, yeah. shopping, and then the hardcore ones. Everybody knows what's wrong with drugs and alcohol, yeah. cigarettes. What I do is I flip it upside down. So if I were to come to you and you were like, yeah, Rob, you know what? I'm having a hard time with uh, alcohol. Cool. I don't need to ask you what's wrong with it. Yeah. I would ask you, Justin, what's going right with it? What's it actually solving for mm-hmm. you? Because that gives me an underlying understanding of where you're coming from. Dude, man, you know what? I'm having a hard time. My spouse is gone all the time. You know, they work up north and I miss them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's connection that you want there. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So if we go to sleep and they're not sleeping, why are you not sleeping? Oh, you know what? My brain is spinning. I can't fall asleep. Awesome. Well, maybe we should try journaling. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should try a mindfulness app. It'll take your mind out of that fight or flight all the time and trying to solve all problems to okay write them all down there they are I'm gonna close them I'm gonna put them to bed for the night tomorrow I can get up and I can look at them again yeah. it provides an opportunity for the brain to, to kind of come down a revolution or two wow. um, but if you don't sleep that gets spun up okay well I get up in the morning oh how am I gonna get going today coffee that's a great <laughs> way stimulant right yeah. okay what else does high intense exercise mm-hmm. sweet so this goes back to my, are they recovering from it? Mm-hmm. And if you're not sleeping, you're not recovering. Because that's where testosterone is developed. That's where memories are laid. If you're a student, or let's use a pilot. Yeah. So with Matt Walker, he would get into the studies that they did. Um, they actually were able to identify where um, new lessons learned today are laid in sleep. So they did a study. They provided eight hours of studying and then eight hours of rest or eight hours of study, four hours of studying, cramming, four hours of rest. Mm. So the people that, the results that this came, the people that studied for eight hours and slept for eight hours retained more information than the people that studied for eight, crammed for four, Mm. and then slept for four. Because the beginning of sleep is where we lay into the short-term memory Mm. to be able to recall it later. Now, if you go the night before, if you don't get a good sleep, you're not priming your brain to absorb the information. Mm-hmm. So it's really like, holy cow, this is complex. So if I want to be sharp at work, I want to be sharp at you know, any job, it doesn't matter what it is, I should probably get more sleep. Yeah. Think about students. Yeah. What do we do with kids? We force them out of bed. Now you'll see, and, and Matt talks about this as well, kids will slowly gain independence in a safe way by moving their time zone late. So as teenagers, and I did this, and I'm sure you did it, we tend to stay up late. We become more night owls. We're still available for, you know, to reach out to our parents, but we have a little bit of independence. When they go to bed at nine o'clock, I'm up until midnight. So I've got three hours of trying to figure out this life Mm -hmm. stuff. But then they're not getting eight hours of sleep because they're getting up at 6.30 in the morning to catch the bus to catch an eight o'clock, you know, first class. So it's, oh, okay. So are we setting up students to really do that? So sleep? vital oh my goodness like absolutely eye-opening for sure uh you did mention that um some of the tactics in there too journaling meditation Mm -hmm. those kinds of things um 
is there anything else that you can maybe suggest or recommend for people to do? Because like, for example, I, I know someone who I've suggested a couple of things to try to help them and they're, no, that's not for me. Right. So, ah, okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a master list. Sure. Like some people, I mean, if you have a real problem, go to a doctor. Yeah. You know, some people are going to be averse to getting, you know, if it's whatever the, the sleeping pill of the day that they prescribe is. No, do that in the mm-hmm. short term, but work on what's going on. So, um, I mean, ultimately, it's try and figure out what's causing the disruption. Yeah. Don't worry about the fix yet, mm-hmm. because if you don't understand it, you can't fix it. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is, but if you can use a melatonin pill to help you get one more hour of sleep great that's okay it's not long term hopefully but um yeah for most people it's just don't go as hard all day honestly uh, yeah. Yeah. we're trying to achieve everything for everybody mm-hmm. so we don't sit idly yeah. and you know i mean phones and we're always stimulated by all this stuff yeah. so we're addicted in some ways to cortisol yeah i love the hit Give it to me. Yeah. Give no. Hit me a harder workout. Mm-hmm. As soon as I hear that, my first thing is like, no, we need to kind of pull you back. Now, how you do that is always a challenge, of right? Course. As a good trainer, you're able to either articulate why it might be of value to pull it back, but they still won't follow that. Honestly, yeah. they're gonna. Yeah. They're probably gonna go find somebody else that because they're the you're 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 their dealer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm dealing out the hard workouts. Okay. Or you could actually just walk along with them and say, okay, we're going to push you a little bit today. And as a good trainer, you can kind of morph it a little bit yeah. and say, okay, we're going to get you 1% every day, but I'm not going for 20%. No. And if you can work with that, make it about them. Don't make it about 100%. you as the trainer. Because, I yeah. mean, it's client-centered, right? Yeah. It's not about coach-centered. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for most people, I don't give a lot of, um, ways to to solve it unless yeah. I really truly understand where it is. Truly understand. So let's touch a little bit on the workouts themselves too. Mm-hmm. You mentioned high intensity. You mentioned CrossFit. Um, I guess what where has that morphed to today? Kind of what's your philosophy on training? So it'll depend on the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and what about you personally? Uh, so for me personally, it's been interesting. So intensity is still there, mm-hmm. but not in the way that the high intensity interval training would look intensity is I'm trying to do gymnastics work. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to have strength in end of range of motion. So I'm working more flexibility, mobility, stability, because when I look at long-term independence, I want to be able to ski when I'm 90, not blow out my ACL. Mm-hmm. So what do I do with that? Well, I work on tendon and joint strength, flexibility, etc. And that looks different than doing Fran from CrossFit. Yeah. You know, doing 21, 15, 9 thrusters, chin-ups looks great on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Mine looks boring because I'm trying to do right. the splits. But it actually gets me better because now, so, you know, I'm 43. I'm not as strong as I used to be. Mm-hmm. So doing CrossFit, I would have gotten up to like 2.25 times body weight and deadlift. I could wow. run 400 meters in X amount of time. Yeah. So I'm slower, I'm not as strong, but I'm not injured anywhere near yeah. as much. And now, I don't blame CrossFit on that. Mm-hmm. I blame 
A, me, because it was my ego that was driving me. I wanted the numbers. I wanted to be able to put it on the board. Yeah. I fell for that whole kind of shtick that, you know, the bigger the number, the better you are. Mm -hmm. But I was driving for something. I wanted my, my ego fed off that. And I was a kid who was, I, I was tall and thin. I was bullied and depressed as a, as a kid. And so it's like, this makes me feel good. Mm. So, okay. That worked back then, but now I've grown. So I'm more strength, mobility. I'll go for a long walk, a long ski, a long bike. Mm -hmm. Stuff that I can get outside, enjoy A, the environment, B, the person I'm with. And it's okay to not be this competitive person because I'm not going to the Olympics. I'm not going to the CrossFit Games anytime soon. Yeah. I'm thinking long game. Yes. So 43, I, wanna, I, don't, I don't really want to die, but nobody ever gets out of this alive. So when I die, yeah. I want to be dying doing something that I'm enjoying. Mm -hmm. So I've been skiing this year. Good. I've, you know, one day I did 20 runs in Fernie when they got 25 centimeters of snow. My legs felt money. Like there was no fatigue. There was nothing. Wow. But I haven't done anything for skiing in particular. Yeah. But I've been building up my knee strength. Mm -hmm. So I don't, even if I fall, eh, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. So nowadays I do more um, long breathing type exercises so i'll go mountain biking cross-country skiing downhill skiing um, i'm getting into a little bit of bouldering work because i love climbing i think it's yeah. awesome um, and i'm just trying different stuff i'm opening my mind to what is out there for what could be fun to me because i haven't yeah. tried everything but then when i look at other people if i've got um we'll just say, uh, you know, uh, uh, an empty nest mother yeah. who wants to lose weight, but they're doing nothing right now, mm -hmm. I'm going to have them go for a walk once a day. I might have them start to do some wrist mobility because they mentioned that their wrists are sore, their elbows hurt. Cool. Let's get them moving as well. And so a friend of mine in town, Matt Vanderloot, he's a, a physiotherapist at mm -hmm. um, MindBody360, uh, and his whole thing, and I agree with this 100%, motion lotion is his kind of mm. theory and there's no bad movement there's only bad reps weight time rest mm. and it's like oh yeah that makes total sense because the splits aren't bad unless you can't do the splits mm. <laughs> and you can the body can evolve it just takes a long time tendons and ligaments roughly adapt you know probably seven times slower than what muscle does the body the muscle belly so I have to have an open mind that what I want to do won't happen overnight. So yeah. if you're doing bicep curls, you're going to see a pretty quick result within yeah. 30, 60 days. But you might become, with your epicondyle, become inflamed because your tendons and ligaments haven't adjusted oh, yes. for that. Yeah. So it's like, oh yeah, well maybe I do need to slow down a little yeah, bit. And like, with age comes that yeah. open-mindedness to it. Mm -hmm. And um, I look at movement in four kind of ways. Yeah. So I look at it as an individual, which is exercise for them. What do they need to look at long-term? I look at play, which is a one-on-one -on -one relationship. So you and your young one, you and your wife, you and a parent, how does that integrate? So it might include exercise, but it might be a walk. Then I look at sport, which is a group. Mm -hmm. So I can incorporate this into aviation. So when I go to work as a captain of an aircraft, I have a team that I work with. So there's five of us or six of us, depending on the, the size of the aircraft. Sometimes I'm a leader, sometimes I'm a follower. Sometimes I'll win, sometimes I'll lose. How do I work into that, that group dynamic? And then life. 
which is the collective of everybody. It could be in an aviation group, it could be in the media group, it could be in your city, town, religion, whatever it is. And where do you fall in that? And we have to kind of transcend all of those. We never neglect one. The people that neglect them are Olympians. Mm. So they have to focus on exercise and sport, but they miss play mm. or they miss the collective. Yeah. Or you're a person that's become obsessive with something, so orthorexia. So for me, CrossFit was everything. Yeah. And I neglected other stuff. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So ultimately, um, the individual, where they want to go, where they're at, I come to them. And then I kind of be a break. It's easy to push people over the edge. It's hard to pull them back. Yeah. And so to, I could, you could come in and say, dude, man, I want to I get jacked. Awesome, Justin. Cool. What's that look like? Well, I want six-pack abs. Okay, well, I have to ask a lot of whys with that. Yeah. And so in the peer assistance world and then in precision nutrition, five whys get you to the true root of what it is you're trying to get. Yeah. So why would six-pack abs help you out? Well, dude, you know what? I, 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 you know, I want to look hot for the beach. Okay, and what, would, what good would come from that? Well, you know what? I get the attention that I want from the, from the girls or the guys or whatever it is. Okay, sweet. And what good would come from that? Well, I don't. I wouldn't feel so lonely at home anymore. Oh, okay. Now we're getting into it. Yeah. And why would not feeling lonely at home work? Well, you know what? I lost my parents when I was really young, and I don't have a real close group of connections. They actually want community. Mm-hmm. The yeah. jacked piece is just their ego trying to 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 hide it in a different way. So for them, the workout might be great, but if I put my arm around them and say, "Man, yeah, let's do this. We can do this for you." Now they feel like there's somebody walking with them as opposed to either resisting them or forcing them or anything else. So yeah. that, that's kind of my long answer to you know exercise. It depends, and I hate that answer, but really <laughs> it depends, right? Like it if, does, yeah. if there are 100 people that walk through here, it, to your point earlier that you said, you know, everything is individualized, it varies drastically. Oh my A pregnant woman shouldn't be doing what a 22-year-old male hockey no, player is doing. Not at all. Now, maybe they can, mm-hmm. but if you don't know, then you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that is, I mean, that's, can you say the four again? I think that there was the exercise, play. Yeah, so, so exercise as an individual, yeah. play as a, you know, a, a one-on-one type relationship, um, a sport, which is a group or, you know, kind of like 12 or under type thing, and yeah. then life in your collective. So yeah. what do you want to do and how do you do it for you? Yeah. What do you do in a relationship? How do you have a family? And what do you do as a group? Yeah. I love that this isn't so binary as you have to do this and not that. Right. And, right? It's it's welcoming people. It's opening people up to the possibility that they can do this. Because I think when you go back to the whole perfection piece of it, too, people think that they need to do X, Y, and Z to get where they want but it takes A, B, C, D, E, F, G mm-hmm. all the way through to make sure that you get what you want. So I love that the piece that you talked about, the walk too, the daily walk, right? Especially it's, when it comes to longevity. You know, absolutely. getting fresh air, getting the vitamin D, getting the body moving. It doesn't need to be always high intensity. No, and I think we, we get played by social media mm-hmm. um, that, well, look at this person. They look like what I want to look like, and they just posted something which is a fraction of a second you don't know what it took them to get to that we're minimizing the effort that goes into this stuff and we're minimizing the time that it takes 
and we're minimizing the honesty to ourselves that maybe I won't be there in six months. So the anxiety goes up mm-hmm. and anxiety isn't any better for us. Mm-hmm. It actually becomes that self-defeating piece. It's like, oh shit, I can't do this. Screw, screw it. I'm going to binge again or I'm going to purge or whatever it is. I'm not doing anything today. Yeah. Wow. And uh, we are the, I don't need to be critical of you because you can be pretty critical on yourself. Yeah. There's nobody that can be more critical of me than me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But in my mindset, I might be trying to get your praise all the time. And so then I will become self-critical of myself because Justin didn't give me what I was hoping for, which is a like on Instagram mm-hmm. or, or whatever it might yeah. be. And it's, it's challenging to... And that's why I say I'm a break for people. I'm like, it's okay. Don't, don't worry about perfection. Think of 1%. And in, um, uh, what is it, the book? I'm trying to think of what it's called. <laughs> I'm pulling a blank on it. But they talk about just do 1% a day. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about trying to hit the home run. Yeah. And if you look long game, 30 years, 1% a day over 30 years is an appreciable difference. <laughs> right. And I'll put this into the kind of the context for investing. There's no investor yeah. in the world that would say you should wait until you're 50 to invest your money. They'll say invest $5 or $1 a day when you're starting at 20 because the law of compounding interest is driving you at that point. Yeah. Well, the same with our health. And in, in, in some ways, it's backwards, though. If you don't do the work, you're going backwards 1% every day. And then you're going to have to dig yourself out of that hole. Mm. And that's much more frustrating because you don't have the energy, the, the capacity, your body, the hormones are all you know different yeah. at that point. So hopefully, we get to a level, wherever that is, and we can maintain it. The reality is we're going to degrade over time, but I just hope to to decrease the rate of that degradation over time so that I can fall down, pick myself up, keep skiing, go golfing, run with my grandkids, great grandkids. You know, ideally, if you could outrun your grandkids, that'd be awesome. Right? And the most simple, so you want to talk about exercise, then one of the most simple movements I have people do is actually static. It's hanging. Mm -hmm. Because it's grip strength. Yeah. It's shoulder health Mm -hmm. it's decompressing the spine and it's something that takes attention to do it it's not fancy but for the average person just when I do assessments getting a shoulder overhead is a challenge yeah cool okay well let's let's hang it's hard at the start and I've introduced it to people that can hang for one second and then they might come to me I'm frustrated I'm not making any gains cool Mm -hmm. okay so we get them on the the chin-up bar and start the stopwatch Mm -hmm. And I distract them and they talk and talk and they get to 30 seconds. Like, yeah, that's awesome. It's not, it's not really glamorous, but now where does that transfer? You can carry the bags a little bit easier. You can grab something if you're falling a little bit easier. And so in aviation, I have to look at the two different um, careers. So flight attendants are exposed to different risks than Mm. pilots are. Flight attendants move a lot and are standing up. So if they get injured, it's generally from impact, from turbulence, they're moving a heavy cart. So I have to do different work with them than I do with pilots who are sedentary. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's just about sit in your seat, move your spine. Because if your spine is not working properly, 
I can't, you're not going to go to work. I can work with a bum elbow, a bum shoulder, a bum knee, but I can't work with a bum back. And so this is about insurance to make sure I can make my career. Flight attendants, it's ensuring that they don't get injured when turbulence happens and, you know, you you brace yourself, but one hand rolls over this way. So an example would be, I slowly have people do push-ups with the back of their hand on the floor. Now, it might be that I start them on the wall. Because when you go to the tissue tolerance, this on the floor with my body weight and the mobility and everything else doesn't work. Yeah. But on the wall, I can totally do that. Yeah. In the in in my playground, I call the fit pit. Um, I have um, a, a um, I guess a plank for lack of a better word, but a table that I can decrease the inclination, oh, okay. yeah. so you can add weight. I get into geometry all of a sudden. It's mm-hmm. like, oh man, there's a lever, there's an arm, there's a moment here. How do I make it a little bit easier, that 1% yeah. again? So, so movement again, it depends on where they're at. 100%. So <laughs> for you to summarize this entire thing, it sounds like motion is lotion. That's basically... I love that. Yeah. I got that a lot. Like Start small, I mean, yep. especially if you're just a beginner, right? If you get some motion in you, then that's going to be first and foremost... Um, the nutrition, do what you want as long as, yeah, I mean, do, do what you want. Um, listen to your body first. Um, it's much more complex than that, Sure. but you know, eat real food. That would be the the one thing I'd say. Just eat real food, whatever real is for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Rob, where can people find you? Where's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, Are you taking on clients right now? So I, I, I am. At the time, I, it depends on the assessment. I have to okay. look at my, cause I, because I do have a career, I look at where am I at with my clientele. Ideally, my clientele actually leave. Not, and I don't mean that in the bad way, yeah. but I want them to become independent of mm. me. And so I teach them, I educate them, and that's why my nutrition is a year long, and I have them actually learn over the year, not just be told over the year what to do. And um, so it all depends on where I'm at in that kind of that, that state of evolution where it's like, okay, well, I've got, I had two clients move on. Cool. I've got room for two okay. more. So where can I be reached? Um, fit to fly.ca. So it's F I T dash the number two dash fly.ca. And uh, my website is there and everybody can contact me there. And then I'm on Instagram, I think fit to fly dot Rob and, uh, and Facebook as well under fit to fly. Great. Rob, this was great. Thank you so much for doing this, Thanks. my friend. My okay. pleasure. Man. Awesome.